you open your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 28. We'll be looking at the, the first seven verses. Not here. Not here. You and I are here because he wasn't there. It is the core of our Christian faith. It is why you and I have eternal life, because he lives. Chuck Swindoll, I'm sure many of you know of him, he's a famous preacher and pastor, he recalls this story from his youth. He says, when I was growing up in Houston, our family lived across the street from a widow named Mrs. Roberts. Her husband had recently died from a sudden heart attack. She was alone, she was afraid, and she was facing an unknown future. He said her grief knew no bounds. In the weeks that followed the funeral, he said, My mother watched as Mrs. Roberts would leave the house every day to go and visit the grave of her husband. Each day as she left her lonely home for that cemetery and returned, her despair only deepened. You see, Mrs. Roberts was a nice woman, a moral, upright lady, but she had no hope. She had no hope in her present situation, and she had no hope for her future. As she looked back over her delightful years with her husband, years that ended so suddenly, so confusingly, she had no answer. And her futile graveside outings only further deepened hopelessness. Hopelessness takes all the energy out of life. Hopelessness makes us wonder what is the answer? What is the point? What happened? What is going to happen to me in the future? Why go on? Why am I here? What am I to do? And if we have no hope, then those we know, we cannot give that hope to them as well. Our story begins with two women who, like our friend, went to go and look at a grave. A grave of someone that they loved very dearly. A grave of someone that they trusted in. A grave in someone of someone that they hoped in. Jesus had died. He had a bunch of followers who placed their trust in him, hoping he was going to change things, hoping he was going to usher in a better future for them. And then... He was killed on a cross. 
and he was laid in a tomb. And these two women who are his followers are wondering what's going to happen. What is the point? And they go to this graveside in despair, in sadness, without hope. And what they see, or actually who they don't see, is going to change their lives and the lives of many forever. Folks, in this passage that we're looking at today, we have the essentials of hope. The essentials of Easter, and really the essentials of Christianity as a whole. What these women hear from this angel and what they experience is what we hear and what we can experience today. So I see four Easter essentials that we are going to be looking at today. And the first one is do not fear. And I know that the verses on your uh, pamphlets, if you had a handout, they're not going to match up to these, so I switched them around a little bit, so just kind of follow along. But I just want to open up and set the stage for the passage that we're going to be looking at today. So starting at verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Then the angel turns to the women and says this, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Did you know that it is possible to be scared to death? During the January 17, 1994, Northridge, Los Angeles earthquake, over 100 Californians literally died of fright. According to Robert Cloner, a cardiologist at the Good Samaritan Hospital in Los Angeles, his research shows that extensive fear can cause sudden cardiac death. In many cases, the terrorized brain triggers a release of chemicals so potent that it causes the heart to contract. And they've done studies of this, and it, he, they point out the fact that when a cat finds a mouse, sometimes they'll just play with the mouse, and they don't hurt the mouse, but the mouse ends up dead. Why? Because it died of fear. I'm sure many of you in your life maybe had a period of time where you said to someone, you scared me half to death. Growing up, having a bigger brother, that happened to me on numerous occasions. There were many times where my brother, he had a knack for hiding in the right places, would then pop out of a closet or pop from under my bed after I had been sleeping for about a half hour, and literally I felt scared to death. Well, it seems that our guards that were guarding the tomb were caught off guard, and they were scared to death. And what is really, really interesting here is that is not the reaction of the guards, but what the angel then says to the two women. 
So the two women are going there to, for one purpose, to anoint the body of Jesus, to, to initiate the, the burial ritual and to anoint his body. And they come there expecting to see Jesus. However, they see an angel. And this angel isn't kind of the angels that you and I are used to seeing. They don't have chubby cheeks and they're not carrying a little harp and they don't have these little wings and not these cute little cuddly guys. No, this angel is extremely fearful. He is dressed white like, white, white like snow and his appearance is that like lightning. But the first words out of his mouth are words of reassurance. Do not fear. Did you know, out of all the commands in the Bible, this is the one that is given the most? And it says something to us about the nature of God and what He wants for you and I. Do not fear. It's not a command that He says, do not sin. It's not a command, don't do this. It is a reassuring command, and it tells us something about who he is. Why doesn't the angel say, do not fear, to the soldiers? Why does he allow them to be afraid, as a matter of fact, to be scared to death? Why does he turn to these two women and reassure them and put their fears to rest? It's because of who they came to look for. It's because of their relationship to Jesus Christ. If you and I know Jesus Christ, if you and I are seeking Jesus Christ, following Jesus Christ, that is what God says to us. Do not fear. If we look at the Gospels, and if we look at this command of do not fear, and then we go all the way back to the birth of Jesus Christ, what is the first thing that the angel says to the shepherds? Do not fear. And that do not fear is followed by a statement, a statement of why they should not fear. The angel says to the shepherds, do not fear. Why? Because I have good news for you. Don't fear. I'm going to tell you something that's very, very important. It's going to change your life. In the town of Bethlehem, a Savior is born for you. Go and see him. And now here, we have this second angel, and he says to these two women who come looking for Jesus, do not fear. He is not here. You can't see him. Why? He's alive. What the first angel said he was going to do, which is save us from our sins, the second angel reports that he has done it and he lives. Do not fear. It is the message that God wants all of us to hear today. We have so many fears in life and one of the greatest fears is the fear of death. What's going to happen? What happens when I face God? What happens when I die? He tells us, don't worry about it. Jesus rose from the dead because Jesus was killed on a cross. He was our sacrifice for our sin. 
and that sacrifice was accepted. Do not fear God's judgment. Jesus took care of that. And Jesus defeated death, the ultimate penalty of sin. And because of that, you and I no longer need to fear. I learned a new word this week. It is the word allay. Has anyone heard that word before? I've never heard of that word before. And I feel like I should have known that word before. Maybe you're like, I don't know why you haven't known that word before. I learned it. And I like that word. It says that the angel allayed the fears of the two women. It means to put to rest, to put to bed, to cease. You know, we have a lot of fears in life. And some of those fears are reasonable fears. We have a fear and respect for this virus. We don't want to get sick. It's understandable. But those overpowering fears, fear of the unknown, fear of suffering, fear of death, God says, put those to rest. Why? Because he lives. And because Jesus lives, you and I can live also. And that is the invitation that he gives to each and every one of us here today. Come and see. The second Easter essential. He says, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he is lying. The stone, have you ever thought about why the stone was removed? Did Jesus, was Jesus trapped in the tomb? Did the angel have to come and remove the stone so that Jesus can get out? Absolutely not. The stone was removed to allow the world to come in and see that he is alive. And it's an invitation to each and every one of us to share in that life. Come and see where he was lying. He's not there anymore. And because he's not there, if you believe in that, you and I won't be there either. It is an invitation to believe and to receive the life that Jesus Christ has to offer. It's funny, when I put this on PowerPoint, it corrected the formality of it. It said the reader might think this phrase as informal. I'd have to agree. There's no formality behind this. It is a welcoming invitation to come and experience the life that Jesus has to offer. Because Jesus Christ has risen, you and I can live with him for all eternity. That's the promise. Because he said, it is finished, and because the angel said, he is risen, you and I can be with him. When they walked into that tomb, this is the climactic moment for them. They came to see a body. The body isn't there. They came to anoint him, and they had all of these supplies, and 
Their mission is futile at this point. And what they saw was not just that he wasn't there, they also glimpsed into their own future. What they saw in that empty tomb is what can be seen for each and every single one of us today. Jesus Christ has defeated death, a place that has been known for despair, a place that is known for sadness, for weeping and tears is now a place of hope. It is a place of joy and it is a place of life. Changed forever. Because he lives. In a Bible study entitled, It Had to Be Monday, Jill Briscoe writes about the death of a Christian friend. During the funeral visitation, the deceased man's wife and sister stood by the casket, greeting people. The sister kept motioning to her brother's body, saying to each person who came to greet her, There he is. There he is. There he is. After some time, when the wife could stand it no longer, she turned to her sister-in-law in love, and she said, If I believed there he is, I would be miserable. She added, Do you know what enables me to get through this day? What gets me through this day is I know the truth. There he isn't. There he isn't because there Jesus wasn't. That life that Jesus lives, he gives to those who believe in him. And because Jesus wasn't there, you and I won't be there as well. At this visitation to this particular grave, it gives us hope. It gives us hope as we visit the graves of those who have gone before us, but have believed that he wasn't there. Their mission to care for someone that was dead actually was changed to go and telling others that he was alive. They dropped their anointing spices for the dead and left with a message of hope for the living. Go and tell. He says, the angel says to them, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. The publicist for the late author and debater Christopher Hitchens asked Christian author Larry Taunton to arrange a series of debates. Does everyone know who Christopher Hitchens was? He was uh, a very outspoken atheist for many, many years of his life. He asked him to arrange these series of debates, and over the ensuing years, Hitchens and this evangelical Christian Taunton developed a very unlikely friendship. Hitchens stayed in Taunton's home, and prior to Hitchens' death from cancer, the two friends took two long road trips together across America. 
Here's how Taunton describes what happened on one of those trips. It says, my mind goes back to the Shenandoah. The skies are clear. The autumn leaves are translucent. In the early afternoon sun, the road lies open ahead of us. In a strong, clear voice, Christopher is reading from the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John. Reaching the 25th and 26th verses, so Gospel of John, 11th chapter. So when Jesus is talking to Martha, Lazarus has died. And Martha was upset because Jesus did not come sooner to heal him. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he turns to her and he says, do you believe this? So Hitchens is reading from this. And he stops, his face lights up with recognition, and he says, I know this one too. However, I did not recall its connection with the resurrection of Lazarus. Taunton adds, it's a great verse, as he senses that they have reached a defining moment. Yes, Hitchens says, Dickens thought so as well. Taking his reading glasses off, he turns to Taunton and he says, Do you believest thou this, Larry Taunton? His sarcasm is evident. However, Taunton says that it lacked its customary force. He says to Hitchens, I do. But you already knew that, Christopher, didn't you? The question is, Christopher, do you thou believest this? Christopher Hitchens, as if searching for a clever response, he hesitates and speaks with unexpected transparency. He says, I'll admit, it's not without appeal to a dying man. Christopher Hitchens, militant atheist, and his friend, was faithful until his dying moment to tell him that he can live because Jesus lives too. I read this illustration and it broke my heart for Christopher Hitchens. Folks, there are many Christopher Hitchens out there right now. They are dying and they need the life that Jesus Christ has to offer. And you and I have the answer to that. We know the answer. His name is Jesus. Notice that the angel doesn't say, hey, okay, you guys, just take your time. Let it all soak in. Why don't you have a little picnic by the tomb, hang out here for a little bit. As a matter of fact, why don't you let me go and tell the disciples, that Jesus is alive. No, he says go, and he says go quickly. Why? Because there were individuals at that moment that were unaware that Jesus lived. And those individuals were still in despair. Those individuals had no hope. Those individuals thought it was all over, and these two women knew the truth. Go and tell them quickly. It is a message of hope 
It is a message that we need to share with those who are unaware that Jesus lives. And because Jesus lives, guess what? You can too. You need not fear death. You need not fear judgment. You need not fear what is going to happen in this life. Why? He's alive. He lives. Go and tell them quickly. Because he lives, we sang about it today. I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, I know I'll see him. Fourth Easter essential, he's gone ahead. Go and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Guy tells a story of when he was in the Marines training for commandos included, his training included cliff assaults. The theory was that a commando raid should be done by surprise and quickly and silently as possible on the area with the lightest defenses. The lightest defense is at a point where the attack is least expected. More often than not, that was a cliff. He said, we would come close to the cliff in our small boats and fire one rocket up through the darkness. And attached to the rocket was a grapnel. Attached to the grapnel was a light rope. When the, rocket landed on, when the rocket landed on top of the cliff, the grapnel would then lie in the grass and they would pull it back gently until it caught something. We hoped that it had caught something secure. We had expert climbers and those guys, he said, were like spiders. They would get out of the little boat onto the seaweed-strewn rocks and scale those cliffs in the dark, hanging onto this thin little rope that was on the end of a grapnel. And they hoped that they were hanging onto something secure. A bigger rope would then trail behind them. Below, we held on to that rope. When the climber got to the top, he would secure the rope that he had taken up and then give two little tugs. The minute those two little tugs came, we jumped out of our boats, cold and wet on the waves and the rocks. We would scale the cliffs. He said it was a hairy experience, except we had utter confidence. We had utter confidence in the one who had gone before us. We had utter confidence in the security of the rope that he had fastened for us. He says, you can imagine my delight when I discovered that Jesus is called the one who has gone before us. It is the word padromos in the Greek. It was the person who headed a patrol in military maneuvers. He was the one who went ahead and made sure that way was open. I love that illustration. I love the illustration of the rope that Jesus Christ has gone before us and now we are out of our boats we are scaling that cliff, but it is, not in, it is not that we are scaling all over the place. We are headed in a very, very specific direction. We are headed to see him. And the rope that he has secured to us is a rope that will never give. Even though we may go through suffering, even though we may go through times of trial, Jesus Christ has gone before us. 
and he promises us that we will see him again. I came in the sanctuary this morning and there was no one here. It was completely empty. I thought to myself about this aspect and about this verse. And I said to myself, in a little while, this room's going to be filled. In a little while longer, I know that I'm going to see certain individuals. There are certain individuals here today that I haven't seen in a little while. But now I see them. They're here with me. Jesus says to his disciples, in a little while, the world will behold me no longer, but you will see me again. We are in that little while right now. Folks, we are in Saturday, waiting for Sunday to happen. Jesus promises that we will see him again. As we travel this road, we travel back to him. Jesus paves our way home. And when we see him, we will see all of those who have traveled that road before us. Just a little while longer. Maybe you're wondering what happened to our friend, Mrs. Roberts. Did she continue to go to that grave in hopelessness? Having her despair only deepened? Thankfully, Chuck tells us the rest of the story. He says, I'll never forget the day my mother said to me, Charles, I want you to pray that Mrs. Roberts' heart will be open to what I have to say. Within a few minutes, his mom made her way across the street with a batch of warm cookies and a pitcher of lemonade. That very afternoon, Miss Roberts listened to the good news of Jesus Christ and embraced the truth that because he lives, she'll live. That death has no claim or final victory, but Christ. And that those who believe in him will live forever. She embraced the truth the day that his mother returned with an empty pitcher and a full heart. But her trips to the cemetery didn't stop. Instead, her reason for going changed. In many of her graveside visits, she would notice other people weeping over and talking to the cold stones, trying in vain to cling to the relationships they once enjoyed. She understood their despair, but now she held a truth they desperately needed to hear and believe. With her little New Testament and a few well-chosen words, this transformed woman comforted mourners as they wept and then offered them the very message that had given her life meaning and hope. Jesus Christ is alive. He rose from the dead. Strange as it may sound, she became a cemetery evangelist. In the place of despair, 
she now had hope, enough hope to share with many others for the rest of her life. The hope that we have while living is found in the fact that he is risen. Do not fear. He is not here. He's alive, just as he said. Come and see where he lay. You can live also. Go and tell others that they can have the same life in Jesus Christ. And don't worry. He's gone ahead of you. You'll see him again. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have told us. You have told us that this is true. You have told us not to fear. You have told us if we believe, we will live. You have told us to go and tell others And you have told us that we will see Jesus. And we will see all of those who have gone before. Lord, we praise you for what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen.